This is food. This is beans. <laughs> so, Book of Boba Fett, Adrian Pinter. What are you thinking? What are you thinking about this uh, this series? Seven episodes. It's all done. All wrapped up. John Favreau's The Book of Boba Fett on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it is all wrapped up. Uh, I'm thinking that this show is really great. I think... Uh... I think what John Favreau has done here um, is 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 create something just really really awesome and really um, just all around just like a, a good a good time. I don't know. I, we talked about it a little bit uh, in Vagities on our uh, main uh, episode, Split Focus of Film and TV podcast, about how much we both enjoyed it and how it felt very much like kind of like a popcorn flick, um, just a seven episode one, and how each episode kind of just rolls into the next, and it's so enjoyable to watch and the love and care that John Favreau put into this series, along with Dave Filoni, of course, who wrote a few of the episodes uh, along with him. Um, just or, the one, one of the episodes. Just the one, if I recall. Yeah, episode six, uh, six I think. Um, it's, uh, it, it's all in all just, yeah, really great series. And as someone that was, I don't know, I, I've been pretty negative on Star Wars, especially since after Rise of Skywalker. And, you know, I really loved The Mandalorian and what they did with that. Um, when this show aired, I watched the first episode when the uh, – when it released and then kind of just forgot about it. I'll be honest with you up until the finale started airing. And then I watched like two episodes at a time, like episodes, uh, uh, two, three, and then four, five, and then six, seven, uh, over the course of about three nights. And, uh, I found a lot of enjoyment out of that. And I think that this show arguably would, would have benefited of being dropped all at once just because I find that a lot of those earlier episodes are a fairly slow burn, which is not a bad thing. But I imagine having to wait week to week with not too much going on and it being mostly build up would, uh, you know, may, maybe be uh, annoying to some. And I know that it was that it would have been annoying for me. Um, but yeah, all in all, I really like this show. I think it's awesome. I'm uh, I like the things that it's set up and how it's going to kind of tie back into the Mandalorian. And I'm very excited to, you know, see more of this like Star Wars TV universe because obviously it's doing a hell of a lot better than those movies uh, have been. Uh, what did you think, Simon? Yeah, I, I also loved it. Like I kind of explained as much uh, to some extent on our regular episodes of our podcast. Just as a note, of course, this isn't a closer look episode, which means basically it's a spoiler cast. We will be spoiling this episode. So if you, you know, haven't watched it and intend to watch uh, The Book of Boba Fett on Disney+, Plus. Uh, back away now from this episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast, because we will be spoiling this shortly. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was brilliant. I think the the music, the production values are really great. The the like the the writing is very good from John Favreau. Like on a, on a broad broad perspective, exactly what you said. In that, I feel like I don't I don't think I needed to be action filled for me to be intrigued enough to watch the rest of the series. I just don't like the idea of watching things with a full seven-day gap in between. And that's kind of what I've said many times on Still Focus of Film and TV podcast. I'd rather not have a seven-day gap, maybe a five-day, three-day gap, maybe watching – like having it at my own discretion to watch it, which I was kind of forced into catching up at the end because there were a bunch of spoilers floating around on social media is what I, I mentioned and on our podcast. And I, I feel like um, – that's because of the week-to-week nature of it. And I know for a business perspective, it's great, but I feel like I got a lot of a lot more out of it because I was able to watch it a little bit in a smaller 
smaller chunks within a shorter time span, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that because the last episode was actually a bit of a gap for me, it was actually worse than the other episodes. But I, I really, I think that the reason why it was felt a little bit more lackluster is because of the fact that there was a bit more of a gap and the previous two episodes were just so good. Five and six mm-hmm. were just amazing. But uh, I, I was a little puzzled. And I think you made this joke to me, or or not to me, because we don't talk outside this podcast, but mm-hmm. to Jimmy, who passed the message along to me. And of course, Jimmy is our uh, audio video tech technician uh, here on Split Focus of Film and TV podcast. But you sent me, sent him a message, sent to me, saying that um, it's the Mandalorian season uh, or episode five or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. episode six and episode seven, because there's a lot of focus on the Mandalorian. And I did find that interesting that they just did that for the last half of the almost the last half of the, of the season, they were very focused upon the Mandalorian, Jin Jajarin or, or whatever, however you pronounce his name, as opposed to Boba Fett. Yeah, it, it essentially just becomes his show. Like in literally chapter five of the book of Boba Fett, there is literally no Boba Fett. It is just the Mandalorian. And then at the end, Fennec shows up um, to like kind of bring him to um boba fett but yeah it really just kind of becomes his show those last three episodes and honestly i think that is a benefit to the show because again the those last three episodes are the most interesting episodes and i really love din jaren as a character and kind of his journey and i wanted to see more and honestly this i almost feel like these last three episodes are specifically not not specifically uh, put into the show for but is directly leads into the Mandalorian season three, which I kind of find uh, funny because if, you know, if a random viewer is just watching the Mandalorian, they decided to skip out on book of Boba Fett and they're going to start season three of the Mandalorian. They're going to miss actually quite a bit because, you know, they kill off uh, Cobb Vanth, who is, you know, a character in the Mandalorian. I think the first episode of season two. Well, they didn't. What do you mean? They didn't. I mean, it's teased that he's alive. He's in the he's in the tank at the end. Oh, in the cry. Oh, yeah, good call. Yeah, he is at the. He so is he's at the not end. dead, and plus, um, he's not a very big. He's just as much of a man like the Mandalorian character as he is a Book of Boba Fett character. Like he's a Tatooine character, if anything. Yeah, but I I think the big thing was Grogu. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, like and and Grogu and the Mandalorian being reunited. Um, whereas you know at the end of season two of the Mandalorian, they they split up. They have a little breakup. Um, not, you know, not, not, a not a bad breakup. It was an amicable breakup, but, um, they, they're not together. So again, I, it makes me very excited. I'm glad that they're back together. I, I love that relationship between Grogu and the Mandalorian. And I'm, I'm very excited for season three and yeah, all in all, I think those final three episodes, but especially episodes five and six of the man, sorry, uh, book of Boba Fett are the best of this series and some of the best in, even if we include the Mandalorian as a series too. Um, so yeah, it's cool. I, I like how they broke it up to, up into chapters. It kind of felt like a book in a weird way, mm-hmm. in the way that each chapter actually the Mandalorian kind of feels like a, a book as well. In the way that ch- chapters each each kind of story each episode kind of concludes something, mm-hmm. which I always appreciated. Um, but uh, Grogu in this season was absolutely awesome. Like the he, he was to me the highlight of episode seven. Mm-hmm. I just thought that that scene with the Rancor and Grogu it, it somehow. I don't understand, but Grogu continually it's is so compelling and makes me emotional somehow. He's a freaking puppet. Because he's so cute. Well, just... He's so cute. That whole thing with him using the Force and all that, I was mm. surprised at how much it kind of got me. And I, I'm like, what kind of a person am I? I'm, I'm crying over a puppet here. Mm-hmm. But It's a very lifelike puppet, though. 
That that one thing that I think this show does incredibly well is the um, practical effects and you know the, the use of puppets and everything like that. It's it's not like a CGI fest that you know like Attack of the Clones is. It 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 feels real. It feels like high budget and and these creatures and you know Grogu especially feel like actual like a lot. They they feel alive and uh, I think that's a big um, big thing to point out in this series. As well as, again, The Mandalorian does the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I just love Grogu. I, I just think he's just an awesome character. It's It kind of felt a little bit cheap that he he left uh, The Mandalorian's side, Grogu did. And then not even in the season three of The Mandalorian did he reunite. Like, they reunited in another show. It was that fast. That didn't even happen. On the show, The Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of felt a little bit uh, cheapened in that, of course, at the end of The Mandalorian Season 2, um, Luke Skywalker takes Grogu away and he's training him on a planet mm-hmm. uh, elsewhere. And he's arguably never going to see Din Djarin again. Yeah. Like, that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grogu won't, I mean. And uh, th- honestly, there's more Luke Skywalker in this season than there was in The Mandalorian as well. And I, I don't know, the CG is still bothers me, but it definitely improved, I yeah. would say. So I don't know if you remember. For young Skywalker? Uh, like after The Mandalorian season two, that finale aired and we and we saw that almost uncanny valley looking Luke Skywalker. There was a guy online that essentially just recreated that scene and did another like made it look better specifically. Um, yeah. I don't recall if you remember that on YouTube. And then Disney actually hired that guy to do it for this sh- uh, show. Well, you assume. Yeah. I don't know if he was used for this show. Well, I um, mean, yeah. Yeah, I guess you assume. But it, it makes sense um, that they would. And again, I think Luke Skywalker does look a heck of a lot better. There is a couple moments where, you know, it seems a little bit off. But all in all, like, I was convinced in this one, unlike at the end of The Mandalorian, where it, it had that uncanny valley level to it i wasn't completely convinced but yeah it was a lot better for the, sure the i i think what threw me off the most about it wasn't necessarily how he looked but it was kind of the voice the voice sounded a little bit off i think they used some sort of like ai um like recreation of uh mark hamill's voice and you know i think mark hamill was in it i, I don't think he voiced uh like luke skywalker directly i think they used like an ai software to make it sound uh, more like um luke in you know the the, the original trilogy and that that threw me off a little bit personally. What do you mean? I mean that they used He's definitely an, in it. He vo- he voiced Luke Skywalker. I know, but they used an AI like software to adjust his voice. Oh, it just modulated it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they again they used like an AI uh, like voice creation software to make it sound like just like him in in like the Return of the Jedi or whatever. And I thought that sounded the most off to me. Um and that's kind of what took me out of it on occasion, but all in all, again, I think I think bringing in Luke was a really smart idea, and I I think I wouldn't be surprised if they're kind of just setting this up and trying to create um, something that looks so lifelike and believable that they're going to do like a Luke Skywalker series and lead up to the Force Awakens somehow. I wouldn't be totally shocked if they did decide to go that route. Hmm. Oh, you think they'll do that? I, I think it's a possibility. Hmm. There's still rumors swirling out there that. Um... What's his name is going to play Luke Skywalker cuz he looks like him quite a bit. What's his name? Sorry, I'm, I'm... Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's been uh, rumors Sebastian Stan of course being the Winter Soldier in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well as many other roles, of course. So yeah, I don't know. 
Uh, you think that they'll just probably just keep doing the CG type thing as opposed to hiring a different actor to play Luke Skywalker like they did with Han Solo? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't think they will. Just because they, they have done this like AI recreation and it's it's so close to it. it I think you even mentioned this at the end of uh, when we did our like spoiler cast for the Mandalorian season two, that even if it for like one second, like if Sebastian Stan showed up and he looks enough like Mark Hamill, even if for one second he showed up and we looked at him and we're like, oh, that's not Luke Skywalker would throw us like like, take us out of it. Like you didn't want to like go down that route. So I don't know. I'm curious. I I don't think they'll do a recast thing like they did with um, what's that guy's name that replaced uh, Harrison Ford. For the Han Solo song. Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, you're right though, because it, it would be it'd be weird now. It wouldn't have been weird maybe if they had they had done it for the end of the Mandalorian, maybe if they kind of CG modified it a little bit. I don't know. It's interesting. But uh maybe it's too late. Maybe it's too late. Cad Bane was pretty cool. I'm not super familiar with this character from uh the Clone Wars TV series, like the animated TV series, but that uh, bounty hunter being introduced. Pretty cool because they use the same actor to play him. I just felt like they introduced him a little bit too late and that they didn't uh, do enough character development with him. And it kind of felt that aspect of the, the Book of Boba Fett kind of felt like one of these Marvel Cinematic Universe shows and that things were moving a little bit too fast. Like they, they were rushing because they didn't have enough time because there just wasn't enough episodes. Mm-hmm. So I think that more dedication to showing the badassery of what Cad Bane could do would have been a little bit better because he only really had two duels. That's the only thing he was a part of for the entire series almost. It it didn't feel like he had enough screen time. What, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 25 minutes? Yeah. Most of it was him walking from the desert. Whom, by the way, when he was walking up to Cobb Vance in uh, in Freetown, Mm. which is a stupid name, by the way, as he was walking up to to call, to call Vanth, Vanth and you know that there's going to be like a the classic Western quick draw situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, knowing how cool Timothy Oliphant is and Justified in various other series like Deadwood and how cool he is at quick drawing, especially in Justified, uh, it, it made me very excited to, to get a little sidetracked to, to see Cobb Vanth quick draw in the beginning of episode six Mm -hmm. and then end the episode with Cobb Vanth facing off against Cad Bane gets slightly distracted and therefore he lost and we don't know for sure whether he would lose in a real duel when the stakes aren't uh, a little bit messed up or Mm -hmm. like when the when the the duel isn't a little bit messed up but who I thought was coming from the desert instead of Cad Bane legitimately was Darth Maul oh that would have been wild yeah. And that didn't happen. But that's what I thought. I thought they were going to introduce Darth Maul as the leader of the syndicate. It wouldn't have made a lot of it wouldn't have made a lot of sense though I, if he you yeah, know, come I, out of the woodwork and it's like, I'm the leader and I'm here in person. But he could have also wrecked shit up. I think he's dead at that point, canonically. I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh canonically, no. I don't think so. When did we hear that he's dead? Is he did he die I in think Rebels? He dies in Rebels. Yeah. Oh shit, eh? Yeah. Oh man, this is a problem with these mixtures of 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 things. This is why I don't like the animated concept of having animated shows that mix with live action. Even mm-hmm. like with the What If series on the Marvel side, because it's like there's too much to watch now, and and not everybody's a fan of animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't hate animated series, but that's just it's a lot. I feel like in some capacity, it's easier to make animated series so they can like pump them out really quickly. So yeah, that's interesting. That if that's true, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, Cad Bane, super cool. Super cool. Yeah, he, he's a cool character. Probably not dead. Yeah. Probably not dead. 
I don't know. It'd be interesting because like Cad Bane is a character that was created by um, Dave Filoni for the Clone Wars. Um, so it's cool that they got to bring him in like and have him, you know, live action. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious if they did kill him off because he, he does seem like he's just such a it's a cool design, a badass character and someone I would like to see more of in the live action format. Yeah. Yeah, they did a great job with the CG and mm-hmm. some kind of puppeteering. I feel like the mouth was just a, a real mouth with like some kind of prosthetic teeth, mm-hmm. it seemed like. They just did it so well. Yeah. Uh, the, he's played by uh, Corey Burton, just to give him a little bit of credit, which I found cool because, again, he's the same guy in the animated series as he is in this yeah. in this show. But that was the cool thing, too. Episode 6. I feel like when things get too Star Wars-y, when things are too heavy, you bring in the big guns mm-hmm. and you bring in Dave Filoni to write it. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I, I was thinking about this and I was going to say this on a regular podcast and I maybe should have and I might want to say it in the future for those who don't necessarily listen to this kind of spoiler cast episode. But uh, when things, when the again, when the going gets tough, you bring in Dave Filoni because he knows the canon so well. He knows Star Wars so well. And arguably episode six is the most Star Warsy episode and maybe one of the best, if not the best episode of that season yeah definitely but i was thinking about it and who better to play the role i know he's not necessarily a producer but to play a kind of the the you know the like map the, keeper the guy drawing the red lines like a kevin feige role yeah he who who better to do that than than dave filoni and mm. that he knows the universe so well again he's not a producer at heart he hasn't done that role i don't think too much so maybe it's not the greatest fit in that regard but maybe creating and carving out a role for him that is titled in that way. Cause I feel like if he has a bit of more of the reins of the rest of the series of all of the star Wars franchise, have him come in for films and make sure that he, you know, gets a little bit more control in that way. I feel like things will, the ship will be very much righted. We won't be confused as to whether we're going to have a rise of Skywalker on our hands. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's weird that they haven't done that already because of how much as an example, John Favreau leans on Dave Filoni when the going gets tough. And that's, I think, said as much in the documentary series for the for season one of the, of the Mandalorian. I'm pretty sure it was mentioned that Dave Filoni was a huge help um, to John Favreau when making that show. So I, I don't know. It's interesting that they haven't done that. But I did, I did find, I didn't know that Dave Filoni had written any episodes of the Mandalorian, uh, sorry, of the Mandalorian. We're, we're messing that up every time, of the Book of Boba Fett until I saw his name in the credits at the end. And that's the only episode he helped with. And I'm like, well, that makes sense. It's literally got Luke Skywalker on it. He's got Ahsoka Tano and Cad Bane all in one episode. So if you're going to bring him in for something, it's going to be that one. So you don't get your, uh, you know, all your, your knots tied incorrectly. Yeah. But that is like one of the most star Warsy. Not, not even episodes, just the most star Wars packed into like, an hour anytime yeah like ever it's it was super hype and i think that episode by far is my favorite maybe not by far but like again that one is definitely my favorite it's just it's so damn good and again i think dave filoni what he's a master at is not only uh just knowing the the canon but also respecting it and knowing how to bring in so many um like so much fan service while balancing it so delicately in a way that is engaging exciting and makes sense and it's not just like a bunch of shit thrown at you um almost like like where with rise of skywalker where so much of it is just undeserved fan service that jj abrams just decided to put in i guess right the ship that 
in my opinion, didn't need to be righted. Right. And we love The Last Jedi, but if you look at the cons, like the contrast between The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, that's arguably part of the problem. Mm -hmm. The Last Jedi changes far too much too quickly that a lot of fans just couldn't accept it mm -hmm. at all. We accepted it because it's good storytelling and ultimately there's no real issue with it in, in our eyes at least. But The Rise of Skywalker did the exact opposite to the point where it's literally just fan service. It's everything the fans wanted, including taking out like Kelly Marie Tran, which is completely – like uh, I was going to say undeserved, but more like disrespectful. Mm -hmm. It would be the correct words for that because I feel like she should have really been a big role in that final episode instead of taking the haters' opinions, the, the, the very loud minority that didn't want her as a character yeah. in the Star Wars universe. You could have made her really cool and you just didn't do that. You just made her not only the same coolness that she was in The Last Jedi – but she was barely in it, and she sat back for arguably no reason. Her explanation was idiotic anyway. Yeah, it was like, literally oh, – I'm not going to come because I don't want to or something like that. <laughs> I don't remember what she said. She, I feel like she wasn't, she wasn't even in the fucking movie for like a minute, I feel like. It was like less than a minute. It was quite ridiculous. It was stupid. It's, that was toxic. They basically uh, they fed into the toxic a atmosphere of what yeah. fans were saying about The Last Jedi, which I really don't I – don't, I don't respect that at all. Mm -hmm. That's probably the, the most – that's the thing I respect the least about Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Because it feels like it's so such a slight. Mm -hmm. a, she was bullied on social media. Yeah. By yeah. Anyway, it's awful. Yeah, I agree. But this show isn't awful. <laughs> this show is great. Yeah. To somehow bring it back there. So, yeah, if we reel it back into what you were saying. So, the Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, they're two polar opposites. Mm -hmm. But then you have this, and Dave Filoni would, and John Favreau, what they've been doing so masterfully is – the nostalgic elements, combining those nostalgic elements with these newer elements and not taking massive leaps in terms of making it too new, but really making fans see the nostalgic things like the, the cantina kind of situation in, mm -hmm. in this show is so awesome. And they kept showing that over and over again, the, the band playing and all that is a great nostalgic feeling, feeling from seeing that, like seeing Boa, Boba Fett's armor and all his like ability set. So clearly on display that was actually a criticism by the way online of this show is that they feel people were saying oh he's not doing enough action he's not fighting enough with his flamethrower and his jetpack and then in episode seven they're like well we sh we'll show you his jetpack just you wait mm -hmm. so when that finally happened people were pleased with the fact that the boba fett now suddenly had so much action so yeah. i i don't know i feel like they again they balanced the whole season relatively well and yes it was relatively slow in the beginning but Again, didn't bother me. That didn't bother me too much. And I, I respect that. The amount of detail and the character development throughout the season. Like to slow to slow everything down and really show uh Boba Fett's journey after being stuck in the Sarlacc pit, I thought was again beautifully done. I feel like more anxious and um kind of less tenured professional filmmakers might panic a little bit faster with a property like Star Wars. J.J. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <It's> Abrams. <laughs> but they didn't. And that's the beauty of it. They didn't panic. They didn't just try to throw everything at the wall as soon as they started episode one, two, and three. They really took their time because they knew that by the end, there'd be payoff. Mm -hmm. And that I also respect considering it's a week-to-week -week show. And it's a bit of a risk. It actually... 
to be clear, what I just I just coughed J.J. Abrams' name because he obviously directed uh, Rise of Skywalker. J.J. Abrams is a tenured professional. That's why it's so ridiculously disappointing that he made Rise of Skywalker the way he did. Because mm-hmm. you'd think he would know better. But again, it's not only his fault. Like, I don't know, again, he's got other chefs in the kitchen. There were producers and whatnot. And they obviously didn't steer that ship very well either. Yeah. But yeah. Another note. That ship, the Naboo Starfighter, was absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. I love that they brought that in. Again, balancing the nostalgia aspects of the the whole Star Wars universe. Not just the stuff that people are known to love, but also the prequel series. And yeah. bringing in the Naboo Starfighter and making that the Mandalorian's new ship mm-hmm. is huge. It is very huge. It's super nostalgic. Like As soon as I saw that, I was like, God damn, that looks awesome. And it was like very exciting. And it's kind of cool because it, 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 yeah, like when they start showing it, it almost foreshadows like, um, you know, getting to see Luke Skywalker and stuff like that. Not, not exactly, but like it's setting up like so many little things and, and yeah, it was, it was very brilliantly done. And I, yeah, I'm excited to see that ship more and more. It sucks that the, you know, Razor Crest is, is gone, but yeah, that ship's going to be a very pleasant, addition um to again the mandalorian series and um yeah i don't know again we even got like some x-wing action in it and every uh, x-wing action and all that sort of stuff and yeah I'm, i'm 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 really into this i'm really into this and i'm excited to see more of it i think um you know just the Kind of like when uh, when he like flies to go see Grogu and everything like that too, uh, with that ship, and it was it was just uh, again the balance of nostalgia throughout all of these episodes is so brilliantly done, and uh, again I, I I think that ship was a, a really awesome addition. I'm happy that we got it. Yeah, another character that's kind of interesting that that seemed kind of muted considering what she can do was Fennec mm-hmm. a little bit. And then that last episode, that was a brutal scene. Like, mm-hmm. actually brutal. It's probably one of the most brutal things I've seen in the Star Wars universe, in the Star Wars franchise. She murders everyone in that room, and nobody shoots first but her. She's yeah. the only one who really shoots. <laughs> it's like, there's no question there. Like, they had that debate, obviously, with Han Solo for years about who shot first, Greedo or Han Solo. Like who? In this case, like, who the shit cares? Yeah, exactly. She shot everyone and hanged... And hung basically from like some kind of weird wires. Mm-hmm. The mayor of the town, who's literally defenseless and has no abilities <laughs> to shoot anyone, because he seems like he's just a slow, blobby alien, and he was just killed by hanging. Yeah, in front of every everyone. It's quite satisfying to see. Yeah, it was just brutal, though. <laughs> yeah, it's we, surprising. We get that brief action scene. I want to say in the first or the second episode with Fennec when she's like chasing yeah, yeah. Th- those people. But other than that scene. Up until the end, it, it is quite muted. And yeah, like, again, it's so cool how badass she is. And that I think what Star Wars consistently does well, other than I would argue in like this like sequel trilogy, um, is that they make very strong like female characters. And they do a really great job in creating these strong female characters. And Fennec is one of these like new original characters that were introduced in The Mandalorian that I'm just really glad to have in this series. And, and you know, it's... It, Sure, yeah, it's a win for diversity and all that sort of stuff, but it's just cool to have someone this badass and being like arguably the best sharpshooter, I guess, right now that we that we see in this like Star Wars universe. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody on the Rogue One team. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. They're all dead now. So yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, wait, yeah. They would be dead at that point. Yeah, good point. Yeah, like way dead, like 30 years. <laughs> However many years. Maybe not 30. But yeah. A good chunk of years dead. Yeah, for sure. So by default, she's the best. <laughs> right now, yeah, yeah. at least. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's so cool. Ming-Na Wen, she's so awesome. Yeah. Man. She's a cool she's a cool actor. And the fact, again, we've talked about this on Split Focus of Film on TV podcast, but the fact that she has been in the Disney universes, in Star Wars, and in Marvel, mm-hmm. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it kind of makes her, puts in her, her in a unique position that no, not many actors have done. There are a few, I think, that might have done it. No, I don't think so. I think maybe she's the only one. Yeah, I can't think of anyone else. I'm not sure. She's in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., of course. She's in Mul- she's literally the voice of Mulan, and she's Fennec, uh, Fennec Shrand? Is Shand. Sh- Strand? I think it's Shand. Shand. Yeah. Strand is a Death, Death Stranding character. Mm-hmm. Oops, it's true. Yeah. yeah. One last thing. I don't. I shouldn't end it on this. We, we, we can say something else after this, but yeah. I just wanted to point this out. It's in my notes. It's one of my last notes here. The last episode, there's this moment where, uh, I can't remember how to pronounce this guy's name, the the Wookiee, Chrysanthemum, 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 is that close? I don't know. I don't know. Now I'm just thinking about the flower, Chrysanthemum. That's the problem. That, that's why I can't say his name. And now I've ruined it for you too. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm looking it up briefly just to see if I can find it quickly, but I can't spell it because I don't know how to say it. So I, that's the problem. Chrysanthemum. It's K-R-R-S-A-N-T-A-N. Chrysanthemum. Chrysanthemum. Perfect. Anyways, he's injured. He's also a beast, mm-hmm. but he's injured at the at one point in the middle chunk. Mm-hmm. Of Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Uh, finale. The Book of Boba Fett finale. And he is dragging his foot, and it's literally a boot. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Your production values are through the roof. Are you serious? Is oh. what I was thinking. I didn't even notice it's, that. You, you, uh, there's like no, you'd think that he, he would have like a paw or something. Like you would have like, but it's in the shape of a shoe. I'm talking about the the bottom of his foot. It's the shape of a shoe. It's clearly the outline of a, a sole of a shoe. Hmm. And it's like, well, don't have him drag his foot then. It <laughs> yeah. looked bad. It looked like uh, a guy. It looks like a guy in like a, uh, you know, Disney World costume. Yeah. <laughs> Sprained his ankle. The kids were chasing him and he tripped. I don't know. Interesting. I, I, that completely took me out of it. I was like, I can't believe this. And they showed it multiple times. Oh. And I was like, what is happening? Why, yeah. why are you doing this? And it called back the Star Wars. It called back to like the uh, Starbucks cup mm-hmm. in like uh, Game of Thrones or something. You know, it, yeah. it kind of just takes you out of it. But that was the, the Starbucks cup was clearly that missed. Like everyone on set just didn't see it. But I just wonder about like you know, oh maybe that's what happened here too. Maybe he just started dragging his foot at the very last shot, and they're like, that's too good to not keep in. Yeah, and they never noticed the fact that the bottom of his foot it was just basically a just a fuzzy shoe. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I didn't even really notice that. I didn't love that. It's just jarring because of how good the production yeah. values are. That's all. Yeah, I did love that when he like shows back up like halfway through the episode. You think like he's dead or whatever, and literally Boba Fett's like, "I'm sorry, I thought you were dead." <laughs> like he literally just right, tells yeah. him like straight out, like I thought you died, and I apologize for thinking that. <laughs> and he's just like, "Yeah, whatever, it's cool." Doesn't actually say anything. He's but, too big of a yeah. He's too big of a beast mm-hmm. to, to die in that situation. Yeah, Th- there's a lot of good nostalgia callbacks there too. Like mm-hmm. having the cousins, like the the huts, yeah, show up too. That was super that was cool. really neat. 
I would have liked to see more of them a little bit, but it makes sense, like in terms of where the story goes, like it, yeah, like why they didn't play a huge part. But I wouldn't have mind seeing more of the huts. That would have been neat. That's kind of why I thought Darth Maul was a part of it, because I thought, why are they scared? The syndicate doesn't seem that scary to me, even now. Yeah. I think back and I think that's why when Cad Bane is walking through the desert, I'm like, oh man, this is the guy who's in charge probably. Because mm-hmm. like, wh- why are you know like why are the huts so scared that they would just ditch? Considering people have to get permission to kill the huts, I didn't know that was lore, Star Wars lore. So that's a really cool mm-hmm. little tidbit that we learn in this series that you can't just kill uh, a hut without getting permission from somewhere <laughs> from someone i don't know from who like you have to get the permission from the huts to kill one just the manager yeah the manager of the the hut family mm-hmm. yeah but uh, yeah it's an odd it's an odd rule that it's uh but it's cool mm-hmm. again a lot of neat things just thrown in yeah and uh, a lot of details that i you know wasn't aware of it's just again the blend of nostalgia mm-hmm. and uh, and new stuff. Yeah, the masterfully done. The one thing I also like um, that they that they did is with the dark saber in particular, like with the Mandalorian using the dark saber, and he just very clearly is just not adept at using it yet. He's just trying to learn it, and he literally like injures himself. He like kills a bunch of people, but he like cuts his leg and burns it with like the dark saber. I really like that little addition where he's just like. Man, this thing can do some serious damage, but it can also do damage to himself if he just doesn't know how to use it properly. Yeah. I really appreciated that. It's interesting, too, because um, the the whole Darksaber aspect, I remember at the end of The Mandalorian, uh, people pointed out like a plot hole in relation to um, like where the Darksaber was because of... Uh, Ah oh, man, I forget the character's name, but she's at the end of the Mandalorian. She has the dark saber or whatever. But they specifically like, uh, not necessarily retcon it, but fix the error where they're just like, oh no, she actually didn't deserve the dark saber because she was gifted it, as opposed to wanted in battle. Um, I know I'm speaking very vague because I forget her name. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in the Clone Wars, I believe she was like gifted the dark saber. Ah, what's one second. I don't remember her being gifted it, but I, I know who you're talking about. It's the character who was introduced. Yeah. No, she was gifted it, it. She was gifted it in Clone Wars, not in the Mandalorian. Oh. Yes. Oh, I see. See, yeah. now they have to be correcting. You're talking about Bo-Katan. Yes, yes, Bo-Katan. And they specifically mention her like, oh, yeah, Bo-Katan wasn't the rightful owner of the Darksaber because she was gifted it and, did, and she didn't win it in battle. Um, so they, yeah, it's interesting because mm-hmm. like, now they're, they're, they're retconning the, again, the animated series. This is what I'm saying. It gets so messy. I, I, I kind of wish that they, I don't know. I don't know how you fix that though. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's a required reading for this course kind of mm-hmm. situation. Just like this show, Book of Boba Fett is definitely a required reading for Mandalorian season three, I mm-hmm. guess. I know you, again, you don't want to do things like this too much. And this is going to be an inside baseball for video games, but like Kingdom Hearts, man. It's just a disaster. Yeah. There's like 50 platforms uh, and some game, like so many games are exclusive on various platforms, whether it be a Nintendo Game Boy or uh, PlayStation 2, et cetera. And the fact that you, it's so hard to keep track of. Yeah. And I, I just, mean, that's the issue. Yeah. With Kingdom Hearts, you can actually play it all on PS4 now because they like released it all together. And you can. So you can get all the story technically on one console now. And even the, it's a lot all at once, though. Yeah, That'd be is. like hours. Like how many hundred hour, hundred hundred hours to go through that story? And a lot of them eight hundred hours. A lot, a lot of those games repeat like the previous game, mm-hmm. which is just a little silly. Yeah, it is. But yeah, no, the show. I love it. Yeah, me too. 
I loved it. And I'm very excited to see where like Kenobi goes in May. Mm. Not that it's going to be related, although there is going to be some Tatooine in it. It is funny how much Tatooine seems to be playing a part in these series. I wonder if, hopefully he doesn't spend as much time on Tatooine, but then there's that shot of, literally the the shot of uh, the poster is Obi-Wan Kenobi walking on sand. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, are they going to be on Tatooine for every one of these shows? It's possible. (laughs) I hope not. It's it's an earlier, like, I mean, it's a different time period because it's like in between uh, Revenge of the Sith and... A New Hope is when the Obi-Wan series yeah. has taken place. But yeah, like it's sure, still, sure. it still is on that fucking planet. I mean, at least. Which I don't mind. Like, I, I don't hate yeah. it because it's, it's a big planet. Like, think of Earth. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all good. It's not the issue. It's just, it's like you're putting these shows back to back and you've got this massive universe mm-hmm. to explore. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, I agree. But uh, I don't know. Do you think there's going to be a second season of the Book of Boba Fett? Are we going to see Book of Boba Fett season two? Or do you think this was kind of just a one-off to bridge the gap between Mandalorian seasons two and three? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one. I kind of had the instinct to say yes because of the the end credit scene and the the way that they kind of showed that blinking light for Cad Bane. I feel like there's something to be mm-hmm. to be done there, and I think that that's related directly to Boba Fett and less so the Mandalorian. And I think Cobb Vanth is almost more of a Boba Fett character only because Boba Fett seems to be taking, you know, setting down roots Mm -hmm. on Tatooine. And I don't think that the Mandalorian cares that much about Tatooine. He just, it's a convenient planet to go to. Mm -hmm. There's like a, I think the reason why people keep going back to Tatooine is because there's, there's civilization there and there's mechanics and there's things that you can glean and uh, take from that planet because there's actually a population living there, which is huge. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I, arguably the Mandalorian doesn't, you know, go back there all the time. And I don't think Cobb Vanth will ever leave the planet. He might, but it seems unlikely. So I think that to tease him coming back to life, being in that back to tank at the end, or he's got to be alive. I mean, if he's in the back to tank in some capacity, he's got to be alive. Yeah. So I'd imagine that that's teasing Book of Boba Fett. Season two. Chapter two. Yeah. Whatever. Part two. Part two would be make more sense. Yeah, I I, but, I, I yeah. think I agree with you. I think they're, they are going to make a season two. And I think it, a lot of okay. it is going to be kind of just rebuilding Tatooine and setting up, you know, new, um, new, I guess, like crime lords. I don't really know how to say it because so many of the, these. Bring back the Fets. Yeah. Yeah. You can bring that um, and kind of go from there. And Darth Maul. Darth Maul. He's dead. No, just get rid of that. Stupid. <laughs> we want to see him in live action again. When are we going to see him again? Um, Maybe in the Obi-Wan show. <laughs> I, I don't think so, but maybe in the Obi-Wan show. Maybe I doubt it because because of the fact that Anakin's going to be in it, mm-hmm. it seems unlikely. But it come, that's the crazy thing about the Solo movie. Like Solo was a pretty good movie and teasing Darth Maul was kind of amazing. Yeah. Like, I was very excited after that. And then they said they weren't going to make any more in that series or basically kind of alluded to it. Like Disney said that. And so it's kind of disappointing because that was probably the most fascinating loose end that wasn't wrapped up. Mm-hmm. You know, because we like I did not think that Darth Maul was going to be in it. I, I don't know if you did, but no, I, I did not suspect not. that he'd be in the Solo movie, yeah. <laughs> like the Han Solo Solo movie called Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah, he's like, hey guys, I'm Bob. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm Darth Maul. Bob. Check out my. Uh, I'm Bob. <laughs> I am Bob, otherwise known as Darth Maul. I'm going to open my lightsaber while I'm in this video chat, just so you know it's me. 
Just so you know, it's me. Right. One of the dumbest moments in Star Wars history. But it really annoyed me. <laughs> that was annoying. But actually, seeing it, like seeing him though in his face mm-hmm. was what got me. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's great, even. Anyways, I think they're gonna bring him back to life. Mm-hmm. I, I have this feeling. They're gonna do it. What what was he in charge of? He's in charge of the Crimson something or or other. Uh, He's know. in charge of a crime organization, isn't he? He did. Yeah, he is. Some like underground crime organization. I maybe they'll bring him back in uh, Andor because like, uh, ooh, that'd be cool. I can see that happening because Andor is like you know he's he's a bad bloke. He's he's not doing. He's working for sh- some shady people. Maybe they they it's bring a spy back show. Them. Right, Andor yeah. is a spy show. I think yeah. that's again. That's why I'm so excited for the cast in Andor show because it's just a spy. It's a spy series in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. That's. What's interesting is they haven't really done that. Rogue One would probably be the closest yeah. to that. Um, but even like going to make it like Spy Kids. We're all we're like ending this show on just pure speculation here. But even like throwing in um, Amelia Clark, mm-hmm. like where is her character? Where did she go? That she's an interesting character too. That they could bring back yeah. to the Star Wars universe because she was she turned out to be. Maybe not the greatest. She made some interesting choices. So it would be cool to bring her back in to the fold for, again, another one of these kind of crime-oriented series. Anyways, I digress. Book of Boba Fett was fantastic. The music, by the way, by as I've said before, by uh, I believe his name is John Shirley. Now I'm, now I'm losing my mind a little bit. I think it's John. Now I'm wondering. Whenever someone's name is John, I'm not quite sure. Jacob. If I'm just fulfilling. like Maybe Jingleheimer. John's. Schmidt? I actually don't is know. Is it not John Smith? Is that not John Shirley? No, it's not John Shirley. I have no clue. John Jacob. Jingleheimer Schmidt. His Jingleheimer Schmidt. You're, you're a hilarious man. It's not John. I don't know, dude. It's Joseph. Joseph. It's Joseph. Joe, John. Joseph Shirley. Joseph Shirley composed it, and he was with the help of Ludwig Gorenson, who made the theme. The main theme is divine, mm-hmm. quite frankly. I every time it came on at the end, I was like, "This is awesome!" And it's like literally somebody just singing "Bobo Bobo Bobo," which I think is hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that that's great, and I, I, that was stuck in my head at work like every day, basically, because I had I was playing like back to back episodes each day of the week, basically throughout the uh, the work week. So I was at work like just having the "Bobo Bobo Bobo Bobo" jingle in my head. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Yeah, Jingleheimer Schmidt in my head. Good, great, good on. Uh, Joseph Shirley and uh, Ludwig Gornson for their awesome music. Mm-hmm. Adrian, anything else to add before um, we conclude this I mean, a closer look episode of Spill Focus? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Beale's character as uh, that Twilight that runs oh, the, yeah. the, the, like the cantina in most aspects. I mean, you briefly touched on that so cantina. Good. I think she does a really great job in this Amazing. Uh, show. Uh, I was actually very shocked when she gets killed off, like this when they just blow up that cantina. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. I agree. That was one of the more disappointing moments because it would have been nice for her to survive because she was an interesting character that we didn't get enough development mm-hmm. on, I yeah. think. like we, She's mysterious, and that's cool. I like mysterious characters, and there's a lot of mysterious characters in the Star Wars universe, but mm-hmm. it would have been nice to see a little bit more about, from her like in future seasons of some other Star Wars show. Yeah. But can't do that now. Unfortunately not. And... uh I I couldn't care too much about like the those cyborg characters that were kind of introduced. Um, like I don't think they were. Right, I think that was a criticism of the series by some fans as well. I, it kind of uh, it kind of reminded me of it, not not in the exact same way, but it kind of reminded me of like the the villains in uh, 
Captain Falcon and the Winter Man. Like they that they they were just kind of thrust in and they seemed very uninteresting and didn't get enough development and they were just kind of there. I don't know. I didn't I didn't really love it. It they almost came off as cheesy. Um, but a little bit. Yeah. The the color the multicolored like Vespas they were driving was mm. were kind of uh, a little hokey. Yeah. It wasn't amazing, but I don't really care that much. It's cool. It's just throwing a little bit of flavor and he needed he needed troops. So yeah. I did like the the chase scene that they had, like through the town with like the you know I thought that was a pretty neat scene, but other than that, I I could have I could have I could have watched the show without them, realistically. And also I wanted to do I, I just wanted to point out that uh, Danny Trejo, uh his cameo in it as the Rancor trainer. I thought that was kind of a neat addition too. Which I'm not too surprised because yeah. he's in a lot of Robert Rodriguez stuff. Right, yeah, because Robert Rodriguez had a hand in executive producing the series, and he directed some of the episodes. Mm-hmm. I think that actually was the one of the episodes that he directed. I think that might have been the third episode. Yeah, I can't remember. If I recall correctly, yeah. that Danny Trejo was in. So the emissary to Viv Fortuna, not Viv Fortuna. Sorry, the mayor. I don't know why I said Viv mm-hmm. Fortuna. The mayor was also really cool. Yeah, um, what was that guy's name? What's that actor's name? Or even the character. But I just thought he was really funny because he's just ridiculous and he's sarcastic. Mm. And he's a bit of a dick. Like pretty much the entire series. Yeah. You kind of want him to be killed like multiple times but because he's just so damn disrespectful. But he's just so entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it uh, David? It was played by David uh, Pasquiz, Pesquezzi, I believe. And the character's name was uh, Majordomo, if I recall correctly. Okay, cool. Yeah. And he's just kind of awesome mm-hmm. did he die no he survived yeah, i think he lived if i recall correctly yeah that's awesome i'm glad that he lived yeah me too <laughs> for season it's, it's perfect for season two i hope he works for for boba fett at the end anyways we're now we just i just said we're wrapping this up and then we we just kept riffing some more about mm-hmm. things we remember about the yeah. series but uh yeah this is again this is just a joy to watch mm-hmm. i love watching series like this because they're just again you mentioned it in this top of the episode like a popcorn movie popcorn tv it's like it's not breaking any rules it's not uh creating plot holes in the star wars universe it's just handling everything with beautiful care the production values are through the roof it's so fun to watch there's these crazy action sequences and um it's just incredibly event inventive like even that planet that the Mandalorian is on episode five. Like what a cool, whatever that was, like the giant ring that's revolving around the planet with the light. Mm-hmm. What, did you remember that? That was like the most, like I, I've never seen such a cool concept. And they just kind of threw that in, in the background. Mm-hmm. He's just on this, like in the city, that's the lights consistently changing to night to, to daytime. I don't know. There's just so many crazy details that they threw into it. And it's just, I have mad respect for the creators, the people who worked on this show. I just think it's uh, it's so good, and yeah, I'm so excited for the next series. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Adrian, for joining me, and uh, I hope everyone has a great day or night. Yeah. Or there's no other option. Uh, there's only day or night, really. Uh, so afternoon. Good night and good luck. Goodbye. Um, good morning. Take care. Goodbye. Also, Amy Sedaris, always a lovely addition. I love her. Indeed. Indeed. She was very good. I don't know how her character has sex with Jawas, but anyway, let's leave it on that. That is a confusing... Yeah, okay, yeah, real quick. What the fuck? That was a weird one. Anyways. How is that not in your notes? Yeah. I was like, if you're not going to bring it up, I'm not going to bring it up, because it's pretty odd. Yeah, that was a real She just kept mentioning how furry they are, which makes me think that she definitely had sex with them. Oh, she definitely did. <laughs> anyway. She definitely did. It's 
pretty weird. weird. All right. I hope everybody listening to this has the most, you know, stupendous day they've ever had. And Adrian, I hope you have an okay day.